Welcome everyone to another episode of the In Check with Fintech podcast organized by Payments and Cards Network. I'm your host, Rogin van der Voort, and with me today is uh, our guest, Joost van Houten. Joost, welcome on the show. Thanks, Rogin. Happy to be here. Joost is the um, business owner for uh, Sentinels by Slimmer AI. Um, he has a background working for McKinsey. Uh, you worked for an e-commerce startup as well, for a venture capital firm. Would you mind maybe giving, giving a bit of an introduction on Slimmer AI, Sentinels, your journey? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Slimmer AI is a Dutch applied AI software company. Um, we're originally a spin-off of the University of Groningen and got... 10 years of experience in building AI products. So we've been there basically from, from the very beginning. Um, and with Sentinels last year, we started uh, building a transaction monitoring product with uh, uh, Molly, uh, one of the bigger PSPs. Um, we both saw this challenge in the market with huge inefficiencies, a very old school approach to monitoring transactions um, and share a big potential uh, shared a big potential vision for AI. Um, yeah, we went live with our first uh, MVP in October of last year. And since then it's been, it's been going, uh, going really fast. So we've scaled up the team to about 30 people. Most of them uh, software and machine learning engineers, raised funding at the beginning of this year and are now steadily growing our customer base. Great. Um, well, good to have you um, on the show today. We're going to discuss kind of the compliance burden um, and the, the high compliance costs that um, and its negative effects or its impacts, uh, basically. Can you maybe introduce the topic as well as why are we talking about this today? Yeah, yeah. Well, as you and the listeners will know that financial institutions, both large and small, have a legal obligation to monitor their transactions for financial crimes. Um, they do this from a legal perspective, but of course they also want to protect their reputation and not be associated uh, with criminal activity. This is a very important gatekeeper function that they fulfill for the rest of society, um, but it has unfortunately been increasing in cost exponentially over recent years. It's highly manual and it's not scaling, um, as you can see from the uh, amount of people being hired uh, into compliance functions. Great. That's interesting. Hey, welcome. Good to have you. Um, you're here to talk today about the high compliance cost or the compliance burden, right? Um, do you want to maybe introduce that topic and, and why are we talking about that today? Of course, yeah. So here, as you and the listeners probably also know, uh, every financial institution that processes transactions, uh, large and small, all have this legal obligation to uh, monitor for tra- financial crimes. Uh, they do that out of that legal obligation, but of course they want to protect their reputation and want to keep out any criminal activity from their portfolio. Um, So this is a huge gatekeeper function and it's a really important one that they fulfill for society, Um, but it's been increasing in cost recently. Um, It's super uh, manual and it's not scaling. And uh, yeah, I'd love to talk a little bit more about why that's a problem. Great. Yeah, let's do that. So right now the situation is, like you said, there's, there's an increase in um, kind of uh, legal costs. Why is that? Why is there such an increase and in, where does an increase in costs come from? Yeah, well, it's, it starts with being a high uh, uh, cost bucket to begin with. Uh, there's a large fixed cost. So uh, you have to hire a compliance team. Um, 
of course, you have an IT system for your transaction monitoring. You've got your regular reporting to the FIU. Um, you have to go through license application, policy writing, uh, control on that, auditing. Um, and of course, it doesn't stop there. There's new regulations coming out every year. Um, and yeah, the pressure is increasing basically. Can you talk a bit about that? What kind of regulation is uh, maybe now super relevant or what has come out recently um, that is uh, causing such a burden? Um, well, most recently you've got the sixth AML directive uh, coming out in Europe this year. Um, and of course, also relevant is GDPR and PSD2. Um, and especially on the AML, uh, the anti-money laundering regulations, they are following each, up, following each other up very quickly. Um, logical, of course, the regulator is also trying to keep up with the changing criminal behavior. Um, but it is, yeah, it is quite, uh, quite a high cost uh, point for, uh, for these uh, companies. I can imagine, yeah. So it's high fixed cost to begin with uh, because we increase kind of demand on the number of people that you need to be compliant. There's new regulations every year, uh, other things as well? Yeah, so I mentioned the criminals change tactics. Um, they are, of course, not uh, yeah, static either. They are becoming more and more sophisticated and they try to remain undetected always. So there's examples in, for example, terrorism uh, becoming more low cost. So it's even harder to trace. Uh, with new payment methods, there's increased possibilities to be anonymous uh, in online payments. Um, and people, these criminals try to hide amongst the, yeah, the normal population, uh, mingling in the uh, payment traffic of everybody else. Yeah. Any specific examples of that that you can give or that you maybe see with, with your clients or with Slimmer AI? Yeah, of course. So um, we we work mainly now with payments companies, and uh, e-commerce is an especially attractive segment. It's large and it's easy to hide in because of its size. Um, and yeah, so examples of what, what type of criminal activity we see, well, it, it ranges. It can be very obvious from someone transferring a very high amount to a sanctioned uh, company or uh, an Ubo, an ultimate beneficial owner on a, on a, uh, that is also a politically exposed person. But it's also possible that it's very subtle. So there's a lot of energy been put into uh, being uh, doing this crim criminal behavior. Um, so you've got whole fake web shops being built from scratch. And super hard to distinguish from the real thing. You've an example there is in uh, a web shop uh, that sells vitamin supplements online, uh, basically selling vitamin C, etc. Um, and from the out, outside, everything looks legit. So they might pass through your know your customer and onboarding uh, procedures, um, and it's only then you, that you start to notice some things are off. And via the dark web, their customers know that this is a place where you can buy hard drugs online. So how do you track that? How do you find, find out uh, what's actually going on? Well, this is where AI and uh, the more subtle uh, giveaways come in. Um, so we look for data points that are off. Uh, limited amount of comments uh, compared to the amount of sales. Strange times that transactions come in. Um, other web shops show that uh, this web shop has a, a very high order uh, value. And combining all of that, individually they may not be strange, but combining all of that, 
Yeah, and then we want to start an investigation. Does it mean that kind of the application of AI here would be more successful than having, let's say, you and me sitting behind a screen looking at these kind of transactions manually? Yeah, well, there's that. The combination is something that is hard for humans to do, um, but it's also the sheer number. Um, being active in payments, you, you, you probably run into these numbers often, but some of our clients have more than 100,000 merchants, more than 300 million transactions every year. Ah, that's impossible to uh, keep track of manually. But what you see now then um, is that you see people or an increased number of hiring, like you said in the beginning. That, that, that's now, if you look at big banks, maybe they start to increase their hiring in order to solve this rather than using an AI tool. Yeah, so we see a lot of inefficiency in, uh, in compliance and the way that it's being, uh, trying to be solved right now. Um, so the increased hiring indeed is also one of the reasons that there is such a cost increase. Um, in recent years, so the past five years, the number of people working in compliance at financial institutions has gone 10x. And if we take a couple of local examples like ING and ABN AMRO, they've got more than 10% of their people working in compliance. And that's all recent. So that trend, of course, cannot continue. And one of the reasons it cannot continue also is there's a very low retention in this field. So between, between 10 and 30% of these AML specialists, they leave within the year. Um, and that's because you know these are super skilled people, highly skilled people. Um, and what they do all day is basically track alerts which turn out to be false positives. So turn out to be not so useful uh, as they hoped for. Um, next to that, another indicator of that we haven't solved this problem yet is that there's still a lot of fines and the number and the size of the fines are increasing. So only last year, more than 8 billion of fines were handed out worldwide. That's crazy. That's a lot. Yeah. How come these are so high? I mean, despite the increased number of people, despite the increased number of solutions, how come that these fines are still so high? Yeah, so the main, main reason for that is that uh, the effectiveness of these solutions is not increasing. Um, and that's being compensated for by adding more people, but we're now seeing that that doesn't solve the problem. Um, one indicator of the effectiveness is the false positive rate, mm -hmm. or the amount of alerts that turn out to be not so useful. Um, in this industry, it's very high. It's 99%, uh, and that's all wasted effort. Um, that's the result of simple business rules, so simple statistics or pre-programmed if-then statements mm -hmm. being applied to these massive amounts of data that I referenced earlier, so those hundreds of millions of transactions. And if you apply that simple statistics to a large amount of data, then of course you're going to end up with lots of alerts that turn out to be okay behavior. Um, the more regulations and more risks to watch for is, of course, compounding this. And then with fines on top of that, everybody's nervous and yeah, trying to do their best. And for them, it mainly means doing more what they already know, uh, adding business rules. Yeah. And as a result, adding more people. Exactly. Yeah. And as a result of that, an increased, increase in costs, obviously. Yeah. What's the complication here? Yeah, I think it's important to mention that yeah, what a lot of people don't realize is these costs are also crippling innovation. Um, I mentioned in the beginning that the, this is a legal obligation for every financial institution. So that also means smaller companies, startups, and they are currently disproportionately affected. 
these fixed costs are, are crippling to them. Um, so you can imagine that for a startup trying to uh, enter as a challenger bank or as a new payments company, um, they take a lot longer time to become profitable. Some clients we speak to uh, say they have the trade-off to make uh, between breaking, starting to break a profit and being compliant. Um, it also means this results in higher rates for end customers. So their financial services are becoming more expensive uh, and also lost customers. So there's this stat of one in three financial institutions having lost potential customers be, because of inefficient or slow onboarding processes. Um, and I personally think we're actually helping criminals by not supporting innovation in fintech right now. <laughs> so what are some examples of that then, of companies that maybe go out of business um, right now because of all this? Um, well, only recently in January, you had this wave of crypto uh, businesses going out of business. Um, as they got included in that sixth AML uh, directive, and a lot of them said, yeah, we won't be able to handle, handle these costs. Yeah. But there's still there's companies out there who are like neobanks, for example, who are being successful despite this, or at least uh, from the outset, they seem to be very successful. Companies like Revolut, for example, uh, do you know how, how do they take care of this then? Because they have the same issue, I can imagine, right? Or the same burden they have to overcome. Yeah, indeed. So, um, yeah, so Revolut's a nice example. Actually, a colleague and I, back in October, talked to the lead of their in-house team. So they have an in-house solution, at least at the time. Uh, we were talking at an AI conference. Um, when comparing approaches, they seemed quite happy with what they were building. But I believe that at the end of the day, this is not something they will excel at. This is not their core business. Um, and the investment that they need to do is probably one of the reasons that they're still not turning a profit. And I think they recently uh, showed the, published their numbers again. Not looking great yet. No, definitely not. No. Interesting. So they have now, they build it themselves. Do you see that a lot now? Do you see companies who say, okay, you know what? We're going to try building it ourselves. Or is it more the companies like Revolut who have obviously large influx of, of, of interest in terms of um, investment who say, okay, no, we're first going to try it ourselves. Or is that a rarity that you see? Um, well, you, you see a lot of small companies first trying this themselves, especially when the number of transactions are small and still manageable. They can... Uh, run simple queries or sometimes they do it in Excel. We also see that. Um, and then you've got a couple of companies that have basically built their fintechs from the ground up. So uh, Bunk, Revolut, um, and they have the feeling that they need to do everything themselves. Um, uh, and they are very good at building this platform, but compliance is a different uh, and very complex topic. Definitely, yeah, exactly. Um, interesting, what do you think is a way out of this then for startups, for companies? How do we decrease the kind of compliance burden? How do we increase innovation again? I think this is a challenge. It's, uh, there's no easy way out of it. Um, there's a couple of things that I think will definitely help. Uh, first, I think automation and efficiency gains, mainly through uh, machine learning can be achieved and will be one of the key ways to, to lower costs. So we've built a startup offering specifically around this problem, the problem of high compliance costs for uh, new entrants. Um, and it's a very simple system. It's a fit for purpose compliance, as we call it, uh, with better performance on the metrics that matter. So we reduce the false positive rate, so no non-useful alerts or lower number of um, we do that by combining those business rules, a simple statistic with more advanced machine learning, 
um, using each where they are most effective. And next to that, we focus on the time the analysts need to spend per alert. We want their compliance team to be doing the expert jobs and not be checking the bulk of the false positives. Um, this allows us to charge a low entry fee. Uh, the entry fee is based on transactions, so when they do get bigger, we also benefit. We like that partnership approach. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, we give them a large library of business rules and machine models to off the shelf to work with, which means they already save costs by not having to develop all of that. Um, but that's only that's only one uh, the first uh, of I think multiple solutions in this area. Makes sense. So you have I mean you obviously have experience with this. You talked in the beginning. You you, you build something together with, with with Molly. Based on your experience thus far, how much cost reduction does this bring? Um, and what's the kind of impact that you've seen of using a tool such as yours? Right, yeah. Um, so we like to look at impact on, on two metrics. Um, I mentioned them uh, just now, which is the true positive rate and the time spent per alert. Um, so our anomaly detection has proven examples where it's been replacing business rules that were underperforming um, and our anomaly detection doesn't have to be trained on uh, past examples. It just it's trained on the past behavior, transaction behavior of uh, the client's customers, mm -hmm. and there we achieve a 25% true positive rate, which means a huge reduction in useless alerts. And the other metric we look for is uh, the time spent, um, and there, especially innovations in the interface, in the design, in smart grouping and triaging, uh, leads to a workload reduction of over 50%. Um, that's a lot of hours that you can put back into more value add work. Definitely, yeah. So you, you guys clearly have an impact on uh, the way that uh, a company such as Molly operates and deal with this. Do you feel that that's the same? I mean, in general, would you recommend using an AI tool such as yours? Yeah, I think a large part of what's not working right now is the consequence of business rules. So you need to start replacing those. Um, you can't do that straight off the bat. It's, for example, it's not easy to apply uh, machine learning, um, but also you need to set up your, uh, your your company for it. Your data needs to be clean. You probably need to augment your data with more sources. Um, the team needs to be open open to it. So we like to work with innovative companies um, and are also actively working with shaping the uh, perception of AI and that it's it, it can be very explainable and it can be something uh, that also the regulator approves of. Yeah. So, I mean, a resolution would be definitely using Slimmer AI, Sentinels preferably, but or any other kind of tool. Any other uh, resolutions that you see for these, uh, these issues? Yeah, so on the topic of the regulator, I think it's really important to involve them in, in the solution. Um, I really like the FCA in the UK, the regulator there, and how they're opening the, the dialogue with both uh, fintech companies as well as regtechs um, in making expanded sandbox environments where they can uh, innovate and experiment together. They actually are the organizer of a, of a sort of a hackathon day. Um, I think the dialogue with the regulator is very important. So DMB is uh, very forthcoming in that. They uh, publish also papers on AI. Uh, as a Dutch national bank, um, I think they're doing a really good job and also pushing uh, pushing this. Is it in the uh, interest of regulators to 
actively promote these kind of things in your opinion? I believe so. I think the regulators also see that the system is not working yet and they obviously want a solution to that. Um, so I think they're very much open, though, yeah, it's always a difficult marriage between innovation and risk management. Uh, so I think they're going to uh, yeah, also have to change their ways a little bit. <laughs> Anything else? Any other resolutions that you've seen? Yeah, so I think a big uh, trend is what you're also seeing in the Netherlands is a centralization of uh, compliance efforts. Um, so it's financial institutions that are starting to work together um, from the idea that we are all looking or all these financial institutions are looking at similar or the same transactions from different angles. Um, so there's an acquiring and an issuing bank involved, uh, even when there's also a PSP involved in only one e-commerce transaction. Um, and each of them are looking at that transaction with their own compliance teams and their own compliance software. Um, so you've got this initiative in uh, the Netherlands by the biggest Dutch banks called TMNL, Transaction Monitoring, Monitoring Netherlands, where they're starting the first efforts to build a transaction monitoring utility uh, that works across these companies, um, merging their data um, and taking that holistic view. And yeah, potentially that's going to reduce drastically the, the costs. Um, and make compliance much more efficient. Probably sounds easier than it is, doesn't it? I mean, indeed, uh, centralizing the efforts um, and gathering all data, I guess that they probably ha all have their own way of collecting data. Maybe. Yeah, and they'll uh, work with different vendors. And uh, GDPR is, of course, something we need to then take into account. Uh, how will you share that data in a, in a, in a privacy-sensitive way? There's also a lot of stakeholders to manage, and these are big, big companies that we're talking about. So it's going to be a challenge, but yeah. I think the uh, potential payoff is worth it. Interesting. So resolution would be, uh, um, or the kind of free ones that you see is using an AI tool, um, facilitation of the innovation by the regulator, such as the FCA is doing in the UK, uh, centralization of compliance efforts. Um, what's the best setup? I mean, is it one of these free? Is it the three of these combined? What do you feel is, is going to be the most successful? I think it's all of these. It's going to require a lot of different players mm -hmm. putting in hours, sweat and tears to make this a success and to, to catch these criminals. Yeah, exactly. That's the most important, obviously. Um, back to your tool, back to uh, Sentinel's AI. What makes a tool such as yours so successful? It's the hybrid approach we take. So we believe there is a sweet spot between using business rules and machine learning. Uh, on the one hand, to improve that true positive rate, um, that requires work, uh, incorporating more data and gathering more data sources. Um, and on the other hand, it's working as a partner to these uh, fintech companies, um, recognizing that they have the experts and those experts should be using their time for the complex and deeper investigations and not on false positives. And that's what the other half of our team is focused around. Um, building a tool that's intuitive, that's groups alerts that are related to each other so that no uh, double or repetitive work is done. So is that your differentiator, you think? Yes, that dual focus is our differentiator, yeah. 
but also, I mean, you, I saw you posting a LinkedIn article the other day talking about um, kind of your user experience. It, it seems that that's also something you guys really strive on, right? Yeah, so that's related to the time spent. And uh, we feel that our AI delivers the best results when uh, it's packaged in, uh, yeah, in an engaging interface, in a software product that uh, really adapts itself to your workflow that is fit to the context of the, the client that we work with. Um, you should almost not notice that uh, we're applying machine learning that is there. Um, and then it's achieving the best results. Should be a seamless experience. Yep, that's, that's right. So Molly, one of the clients, which other clients do you work with right now? Um, Paypro, uh, Ginger, which is a, a white label PSP company. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, most recently, online payment method online payment platform. Interesting. So now to our listeners, what, what kind of companies, if any, uh, all of the companies are listening, what kind of companies should reach out to you? You mentioned you like innovative companies, is that fair to say? So basically we can work with any financial institution that has a high volume of transactions to monitor. Uh, that's where we excel. Right now, we have a preference in working with these more innovative fintechs because they have a shorter de decision cycle um, they ha often have their data in order um, and they're open to applying AI yeah. to solve this problem. Great. So where can people find you? Oh, can, they can reach out via you here or uh, <laughs> go to uh, slimmerai uh, forward slash sentinels and they'll find us there. Great. And I guess on LinkedIn, Joost van Houten, they can probably send you a message as well. Of course. Yeah, by all means. Cool. Well, thanks for, uh, for being here. Thanks for being on the show. Very insightful uh, what you've shared today. Um, listeners, I hope you've all enjoyed the show of today and um, hope to uh, hear you next time. Again, if you want to reach out to Joost, Slimmer AI, slimmer.ai for slash centennials or his LinkedIn, Joost van Houten. See you next time.